the economy of civil service, which is gross. I don't even like putting those things in the same sentence. I know but... it, it, it's horrible. But when you when you're talking about the social change and moving things forward, the, you know the first barrier that's going to come up, you know when you when you get to the point to present it to the city is cost. Um, especially if you're in, you know, your urban areas and your rural areas, they're going to tell you, we don't have no money. We don't have no money. So, so we, from the door, that's what we're looking for from day one, how to make it cost neutral or cost effective. All right. And then we can, at that point, we've done the open request. We know what the laws are. We know what the issue is. We have a cost. We have all of these things. Now we can pass it to our law and policy task force which is made up of retired governors and mayors and public administrators and, and lawyers who and legislatures who've done this, written law, written ordinances, written amendments, all of these types of things, so that they can format it into the right format and verbiage for us to present it to the, to the governing body that we need to present it to, whether it's a board of a school board, whether it's a superintendent, whether it's the city council, whether it's the mayor, um, you know, there's so many different ways that, you know, things can be passed. In Patterson, when we did the culture change, the escalation um, for police culture change, it is a de-escalation citizens review board. So if there are escalations that involve police officers in the community um, and the city is doing their audit, well, actually it's the attorney general, but, but they're doing their audit, there's also a citizens panel right next to it you know, also going through the audit. So the citizens also are reviewing that and auditing that situation so that everyone can make positive suggestions and input on how not to have this happen again, you know, how not to have it happen again. Um, and Mayor Sayer and Patterson, executive order, he just signed it. <laughs> he, just, he just, he said, that's it, we're gonna do it. And he signed it on the anniversary of George Floyd's death. And that was his choice because he wanted to pack a powerful punch, and he did. And then he handpicked um, the members of the 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 citizen the de-escalation um, advisory board, and they are digging in and they're getting prepared. And um, I, I'm proud to say that we did that. You know, regular citizens, we did that. We we made that change. We made that change in Patterson. Made it in Perth Amboy. It is about to go through in Philly. Um, Trenton, you know, so all of these, you know, different locations, that's something we did. We did it from soup to nuts. And it is such, it is such a high <laughs> when you get that win-win, because what you did was say, listen, let's all come together <laughs> and let's work this out. Right. And we don't, we, we don't, we can have fun doing it. We, we did. We, we all broke bread. We shared dinner. We talked. We shared things about our lives and our experiences that helped us be a stronger, cohesive group. And um, I, I think that the more we spend time talking to each other, the more you'll find that our differences lessen and the common ground increases because we all want the same thing. Everybody just, listen, I just, I just want to live my life with as much joy as I can and be healthy and, and happy and make a positive difference. I want to leave a footprint that positively impacts where I've been. I want people to remember me, you know? 
I think everybody wants the same thing. Nobody wants to spend their life here and then leave here and nobody remembers them. Yeah, no, that's definitely <laughs> a, a rooted fear for most, for mostly a lot of people, especially in the West. But I getting back to your first your point right before that, the the, mm-hmm. the craving, the the desire for like a the pursuit of happiness, right? Like you can call it whatever you want in whatever country, whatever mm-hmm. language, but every human, it all of us, born in the dirt, born in the castle. We're all after simply surviving. And if we get lucky enough, thriving. Is there a limit in size or maybe a limit in culture? Any boundaries that are kind of set as like, this is the point where this is no longer just community. It's, or people at this point um, in the community, like they don't consider themselves part of it. Like how do you get a full representation of community and how do you know you've succeeded in that? That's not easy because um, one of the things that we do is like a a trust is um, about 24 people. And we came up with that number because it allows us to do four committees of six so that one person is not taxed, you know, because you're doing research, you're finding evidence base, you're pulling Oprah requests, you're, you know, um, working a presentation. So there's a, a lot of things that are happening in that, in that 10 step process. So um, each committee is six people minimum. And so we can have four committees. So there's literally four topics being addressed. Um, we've been lucky. Um, and I will say that it is luck. We've been lucky. Um, when I first found out about the Newark <laughs> Civic Trust, I sat in on my first meeting and I, and I literally drug, I, I dragged a friend of mine to come with me because, you know, we, I figured if we do road trips together, this was kind of like a unknown, like a road trip. So, um, <laughs> and there's food and, and I bribe him with food. Um, literally, if I need something done on my computer or whatever, and I'll go, I'll just say, um, Billy, I have a double cheeseburger and a large fry and a Coke. Can I come by and bring it to you? And while he's eating, I stick the computer in front of him and go, and by the way, how does this work? (laughs) So it has become a laughing, it's become really a point of laughter between the two of us. So when I called them and I said, listen, Mary and I went to this gala. It was fantastic. We really need to go to the civic trust meeting. Not quite sure what it's about, but it's forward movement. That I can tell you. Um, And oh yeah, and it's a full dinner for free. And it's only an hour and a half. Okay. Which I know he doesn't eat during the day because he's so, you know, so busy. So swipe my phone and I'll even come get you. I swiped him up, we get there, and we're sitting, and he works, he works for the city of North. He, he works for the city of North, Homeland Security, um, he's, you know, uh, Office of Emergency Management. So, of course, Law and Policy Task Force was right up his alley, right? So, when they said that that was a task force that they had, then, well, we know that's where he's going, right? So, now he can go back to his job or to people that he worked with and say, hey, I'm on this committee, and these are some of the topics that we're looking at resolving. I know you, you know, talked about this. Come join, which is what I did. So the next month, I had three more people with me. <laughs> and in the month after that, they brought people. Because we've all had these conversations in, in, in public and in private. Um, we're all, serve, we're all in, in, in the sector of serving. 
So it was very easy to, to kind of pull names in your head of people that you could approach to be on this committee. So I knew once I talked about the education committee, I already had two names in my head that I could go, oh, well, this right of the alley, they worked in the education sector, you know, they, they would love to do this. And that's kind of how we pull together the people to come in to the trust. Now, it is really only a one to three year commitment. That's it. We ask for one year. You can, you can actively stay for three. Now, you can stay after that three, but now you're just helping on committees, not forming any new committees. Right. I've been there for seven. I've been a trustee for seven. <laughs> now I have no intentions of stopping. I just I don't. Um, so we constantly get the new blood in. So we know we're bringing new people in We're, you know, um, it's sort of like the Amway of civic engagement <laughs> that we just keep bringing. <laughs> levels of people in and um yes it's volunteer and yes it can be time consuming yes it can be mentally taxing but the reward at the end makes it all go away it, it it's, it's it's just so great when we were sitting at the press conference in newark when mayor baraka said the exact same words of creating a pipeline from elementary school to post-secondary education where all children in the city of North learn physics that they can carry through with them in every phase of their life. So we got that, you know, Rutgers University jumped right in. They were like, oh, wait, hold up. We, we want to be in, okay, because the high school students are going to come here, you know, so they jumped right on board. And the city, you know, the mayor said, this is fantastic. So North became the first civic city, you know, where, the, where you know, the school district is using, is teaching civics. The High Institute of Higher Learning is teaching civics. <laughs> There's a civic trust. And the city administration is behind facilitating civic engagement. So they're the first civic city. And they use it as a selling point <laughs> for economic development, of course. Which they said. Because they definitely said. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there'll be times where the mayor might send somebody meetings. You know, um, now that we're doing the national citizen leadership bases across the country in the different colleges and universities, we have um, students from those colleges and universities, professors, deans, provosts, you know, dropping in on our trust meetings to get a visual on how this works. Because in concept, people go, yeah, that, that, this sounds really cool. And then in the back of your head go, yeah, well, how does that work? <laughs> but like, how do people get there? Like, 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 how do you get everybody on the same page? If you bring all of these people from different walks of life together, how do you get them on the same page? right? Because that's technically what you're saying too. And how do you do that? Well, if they all live, work, and play in the same community, there's common ground right there. That's common ground. If I go to school in North, I'm still worried about crime. I'm still worried about the cost of things, even more so if I'm a college student because I don't have the money. <laughs> you know, I'm still worried about the neighborhood right, about safety. I'm worried about having options and opportunities. I'm, I'm still worried about all of those things, even though 
I only temporarily leave here. Well, if I work there, well, guess what? I have the same, I have the same issues. I, I want to be safe walking from my building to my car, right? I want to be able to get out of the city I work in without somebody knocking me over my head and, and, and carjacking me. I want to be able to drive down the streets without people racing, you know, doing the car racing in, in the streets like they used to do in North. Um, you know, so I still have common ground, though I may not live there. And of course, the people that live there have that common ground. And that's literally where we start. How can we make where you live work or play better? And that's when it all comes out on the table. And then we kind of sort through it, <laughs> figure out what's doable, right? And when what I always say, hey, guys, if we fix one thing, we might fix 10 other things that are broken too. So let's be strategic in what we choose to fix. Because we may fix a whole bunch of other stuff down the line too. And I think getting people together who not only have a passion for service, right? Because you got to have that passion for service. But literally are just, oh, I have the power to make where I live better? Like all this time I've had that power? Great. I kind of knew that. But where do I start? How do I do that? Well, this is the vehicle to show you how. We all know we're supposed to be civically engaged. We all know we're supposed to vote. We all know we should treat people the way we want people to treat us. We all know that. But where do you start? And how do you do it? And this is the how. This is how you do it. You find that common ground. You put people in an environment where they don't feel isolated or rejected or judged. And you just let them be creative and be. And guess what? Humanity shows up. <laughs> so culture, in the sense that the entangled complexity of different cultures in a community, how much of that is actually a part of these processes, these, um, you know, addressing these problems? Because mm -hmm. culture can also be, I don't want to say it can be kind of like a roadblock for certain yeah, individuals for their perceptions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, it does play a lot. And I, and I will say that um, in Newark, of course, there is a heavily, a heavy Muslim population, nature of, you know, nation of Islam um, population. There is a large Hispanic population. Um, you know, so we have to be um, transparent. Have to be transparent, okay? So all of us have biases, absolutely, absolutely we do. Um, we just have to be aware of them. We have to be self-aware, um, which of course um, we tell our students every day <laughs> that you need to be aware of your biases. Um, not so they go away, because I don't know that they necessarily go away, but that you can work around them, right? And you and you can adjust for them. So yes, culture and religion play a huge part in what we do. One is for instance the student that, the students at Rutgers their um, issue is uh, disenfranchised voter groups and how to reintegrate them back into um, the civic cycle how how do you get them to vote how do you get them to to um, use their power beyond the vote like how do you do that they're disenfranchised we know they are right so okay well let's let's isolate who those groups are 
Okay, so we looked at Latinas, Asians, Muslims, um, and African Americans. Okay, well, are they really disenfranchised? Let's take a look. And so that's when we pulled the civil rights law. The students pulled, they did the Oprah, pulled the civil rights law, but they didn't really need to do an Oprah request, but they pulled the civil rights law. They looked around at cities that had the demographics in it that, that, that we had deemed were isolated um, or disenfranchised. How are they handling it, right? What are they doing, right? Because this is an issue. And how come states can make laws that impact how people vote? See, so all of those things came to light. What is a local, what's the purpose of a local election versus a presidential election? And why is that so important? And, and why do people who vote for the president don't vote for their mayor or vote for their school board? Like, why don't they do that? And um, what they learned is that, yes, not only does culture and religion play a part, um, you also have language barriers. You also have um, schools of thought that have been emotionally damaging to certain groups of people. You have, and then you have systemic issues, right? That target certain populations. So, you know, they, they just kept saying, we, we just didn't, we didn't know, like you get into the whole re-entry piece, you know, how when you come out of prison, you've done your time, you do your probation, but you can't vote. And they, so they were like, that's a whole nother project. I said, yes, that is. That's a whole nother project. That's a whole nother project. They researched the voter suppression laws on the books in the country. That I mean, they went all in. And I think that their initial research, you know, when they pulled up the first thing and it said like 92 million people did not vote in the last presidential election, just sent them left. I said, they said that's almost one third of this country. I said, exactly. Exactly. That's a lot of people. 92 million is a lot of people. Um, and what they found, ironically, is that Asians voted more in the last presidential election than any other disenfranchised group of voters. So with a share of 15% of the population, 14% of them voted. Why? I said, well, just like African-Americans came out and chose to vote for Obama the first time, that had never voted, it was because he's black. I said, well, you had an Asian person running for vice president. They were like, oh, yeah. I said, so your Asians came out because they finally feel represented. So he's like, okay. So, you know, they, they kind of went in and found some cultural answers to meet some of these groups where they are. Of course, putting literature in their primary language. Going to where they are, you know, they have culture centers, they have religious centers. Going there, um, having someone who looks like them talk to them, right? That makes a difference too, because there's always a trust issue. When you're going into communities with, with special populations, there's always a trust issue. And so those are the things that they looked at for their, for their project. And I think um, that it is, it's fantastic that we facilitated this critical thinking process in these undergrad students, because I mean, they're going in, you know, and then they got a little disappointed because it's only, you know, a class. So they're not able to really do this resolution. We kind of just massage it on what the particular steps would be 
and the no blame process? How would be cost neutral? Well, there's organizations that already have street teams that go out to facilitate voting. You, you know, you you collaborate with one of them. It's cost neutral. So we really worked all of the steps. When he says, I'm, I, I'm never going to see this come to fruition because of the time frame. So I mentioned it to the North Civic Trust, and they went, Well, why don't we do it? Why don't we pick this up as a topic and work it through resolution, and then evaluate the impact of it on the community after several local elections. So I said it to the students and they, he was like, I want to cry. <laughs> this is like fantastic. Can I be part of the civic trust during the summer? <laughs> Absolutely. So now we have the students coming into the civic trust so that they can create and work on a committee to do what they brought in as an issue that we can cut and drop across the country and people can just take that basis and, and, and mold it to their, to their populations and their cities. And it's something that small that just starts. It started with a question. So if we can meet people where they are with that one-to-one -one and they can see the care and the concern and that there's no personal agenda, then we can go on. As long as we can show people our humanity, then we can move forward. Would you say the citizens campaign is a collaborative and critical thinking? To, to me, it is. To me, it's like this real giant critical thinking think tank where right. we all come together and literally for, you know, Newark and Trenton and, and, and Philly, we literally go, okay, let's tonight we're going to spend time on our wish list. If we could, what would we fix? <laughs> you know, no rhyme, no reason. What would it be? And we throw everything in the hat. I walk away with that. And then I take those and then I try to drill them down so that the next time we do the, okay, let's do the wish list. I can come back with drill down versions of those because I've done the research on, on the community, you know, the communities. I, I mean, I was born and I went to college in Newark and I, and I grew up in Newark. So I know Newark. But I, and I work in Trenton, so I know Trenton, and I don't know Philly <laughs> at all. So I had to sit down and pull state budgets, pull school budgets, find out who the superintendents are, find out who the government is. So I literally pulled in. I went through and found out who their religious leaders are, who are the big churches, who are the big nonprofits, you know, doing all of that, that footwork, because I need to create an army. I need to create an army of resources. I need to create that frontline street team that I can go to if I'm going to, you know, hey, we need to talk about clean food. We need to talk about the access to clean food because these kids no longer have gym in school, obesity, asthma, diabetes, right? All of these issues come from the fact that our kids are not physically active. And you are what you eat. Okay, if I don't have availability to fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, non-canned goods with God knows what and, and a whole bunch of sodium in it, um, how am I going to be healthy? And then I don't have access to quality health care <laughs> on top of that. So how do you break that cycle? Where do you start in it? So a lot of people take a look at that and go, ugh, <laughs> it's overwhelming. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. I'm just not. Okay, but for some of us, 
social workers, human service people, people, well, puzzle people. I call us puzzle people, where we put stuff together and, and, and make, and, you know, and solve things. We see it differently. We go, well, wait a minute. Well, if we start here, <laughs> that might take out this, 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 and that, and minimize it enough where those become doable bite sizes too. Okay. So let's talk about how, what populations are affected. Let's start with one population. So we want to start with young kids who don't have physical, you know, education anymore in the schools. It's a bad thing they don't have music or art, but right now we're going to deal with PE, <laughs> you know, and work that from the end. What do we want the goal to be? Let's work it backwards. Let's think about how to get to the end from starting there. How do we get there? And let's work it, you know, I call it bass backward. Let's go bass backward. Let's start where we want to be and let's figure out how to get there. And the Citizens Campaign has given us a tool to do that. But the most important thing is that no blame concept, because now all that negative energy is out of the room. Because don't come to me with an issue if you're not coming with a solution. Solution may not work. It may be half-baked, but you got a solution. <laughs> got a solution. Okay, wait a minute. We can work with that because now we can build on that. But don't just walk to the table and, and throw problems at me. because then. You're also part. You, you are. Yes, that is a wisdom with a capital W. <laughs> uh, watching some of these parents gather in school district boardrooms in Florida, talking about this this new no, uh, don't say gay thing. Regardless of like you know that's that's for those communities to handle. But when you see that, or you see anything where any parents in a school board, I'm just using that specific example. Mm -hmm. All they bring to this podium are well-written quotes and passages about the problem and how it affects them. And I mean, not just their community, just them, the person standing at the mm -hmm. podium. It's like mm -hmm. we're scheduling these forums and these places, and that's just where critical thinking is missing, well, stolen from us. Well, oh, I'm starting absolutely. a campaign that critical absolutely. thinking was stolen from us. Oh, I agree. Uh, I agree whole, wholeheartedly. Yeah, so we got to steal it back. Um, it's like... Mm -hmm. Okay, where are you're creating a space? This this no blame policy. This this oh my god, it's beautiful, and I think it should be implemented in more than just civil engagements like this. It should yeah. be implemented in classrooms and and anywhere ideas uh, are exchanged. There needs to be a no blame because it's like, hang on, how is going to figure this out? Have you run into any deliberations or aggressions or um, just any problems with? major governing bodies you're, you're saying yes you're like yes yes i have yeah um <laughs> it's been interesting and let me tell you why because the initial reaction is defensive it's always defensive the initial reaction is always defensive and this is such a, let me tell you yesterday um the tr a trenton trustee who has a community-based organization in trenton that does educational support for k-12 right and um she held the neighborhood watch meeting at her facility. So we had the police chief, the head of human services, the city planner, the head of housing and urban development. We, we had councilmen. We literally had the top people for the city of Trenton there. I was totally blown away that they took the time, first of all, to come to a neighborhood watch meeting, okay? Um, and we talked about how we, there's this disconnection, of course, with the community and with the administration. But there were seven 
um, young, young ones there um, under the age of 16 that had questions for their government officials. Why? Because um, Tanetta Howard, um, who is executive director of Howard's Healthy Choices, has been working with her kids through the Power Civics course that the Citizens Campaign has. She has literally altered the words so that they understand, okay? But they will be the youngest kids in the country to pass and get certificates in this course. It's just amazing to me how she adapted it for them. So now they're asking questions and they actually held elections. They decided that they need to have governance in their particular um, council that they called ambassadors and they help clean, you know, they clean up, they help um, decorate when there's events, they help, you know, guide the younger children and, you know, help them with homework, you know, they're the ambassadors. So now they've had elections and they want to fundraise. And they were very meticulous about understanding what the role of a president is versus a vice president versus a treasurer versus a secretary. Um, and they had questions for the administration yesterday. And the adults were totally blown away by the questions because you just don't expect a 10 year old to look you in your face and go, you know, there's an abandoned building that used to be a school around the corner that no one is using. Can that building be used for something else or must it be demolished? And, and it was, the, the, the gentleman went, well, uh, uh, he said, that, 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 that's a good question. And he turned and looked at everybody else like, oh my goodness. And he says, well, and then he went to answer. And then she says, okay, can I elaborate further? I'm, I'm sitting in the corner going, yes. <laughs> Can I elaborate yes. further? Oh my god! When <laughs> and, I was ten, I could um, elaborate past my like. C- c- the point of my now is I'm just, grief. And and, uh, and I'm amazing. sitting here, and one of the and, the and you know one of the kids talked about that they learned the power centers. I, I said this is amazing to me. He's like, you know, um, I understand what the planning board is. So when the city planner got up, he says, I understand what the planning board is. The planning board does da 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 da. So she looked over at me and I went. So we talked about them, you know, doing this pilot program of developing a community. And the administration was like, oh, we are so in. Um, This is what we're going to do first. Um, They need to take a look at the master plan. I said, they already have a copy of the master plan. She said, they have a copy of the city's master plan. So yeah, you can't change stuff if you don't know what's already here. <laughs> you know, I said, and they also have a copy of the community health needs assessment too. She's like, oh, you all are not playing. I said, no, we're not. We don't have time. We really don't. And she says, I am so happy to see an organization that is teaching these kids in real time. Real time. That they understand that, yeah, you, you, you got to take your test. You got to pass your test. You need to do your homework, but you need to learn how to live in a community and move your communities forward. So they also talked about the career path, how they, how she became a city planner. You know, how did I become the head of housing and urban development? You know, why did I choose to become a police chief? So because the kids were there and they were so excited 
to see the excitement in the young people, for adults to see how the young is reacting with the thirst um, and, and the critical thinking. I mean, we spend a lot of time with, with, with their students facilitating critical thinking. I spend a lot of time with mine facilitating critical thinking because they don't do it in schools. They're too busy teaching the children to pass the test that they don't really get a chance to teach them. Um, and if they do sneak in the teaching, there's no room for children to apply what they learned. And practice is completely di different in theory. We all know that. Yeah, okay. We all know that. And, and, unfortunately, right, that's right. And right. In theory, I can work for the for the, for the welfare office, and no one jump across my desk and try to kill me. In theory, <laughs> we all know that. In theory, practice. yeah. <laughs> oh, that divide is so toxic, <laughs> right? Because it's like it, even just going on a little like a small little banter. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So I got to grad school that most people can't just go to the library and read a scholarly journal without having to pay for it. I'm like, okay, well, they're all my tuition fees that I've ever paid. They're just going to other companies so people can, that I have the privilege of accessing mm -hmm. the, the multitude of solutions that right. are hidden out in the universe right now. And journals makes my stomach turn. <laughs> and you are a gleaming, you're a gleaming example of what it looks like to like, screw the journal yeah i'm just gonna go to the people Deal. yeah and and you know when i when i first started at at national organization of of human services and i see all of this knowledge all of this ooh stuff there and i go well where's the people who actually do it with the people what where's the people that do direct services and they're like, what? I'm like, we have all this knowledge. We have all this theory. We have all this how-to. We have all this, oh my goodness, if we can fix this, this will work fantastically. But how is it getting to the people that are doing it? Where's the experience? And, and I'll never forget, the, you know, the president just looked at me. He, he, he literally just looked at me because I'm like, I don't understand. This is fantastic. But this is academia. We don't do direct services. There is a whole sector of direct services that is disconnected from academia, right? Because most people who work in nonprofits don't have master's degrees, don't have doctorate degrees, the ones that are doing the direct services. So um, the one thing I said is that when I became, when I, when I, when I sat on the board for MOX, you know, which is of course our region, um, Mid-Atlantic Consortium, that we would include the third sector, the nonprofit, because they're doing a direct service. And this information is what we need to arm them with in order to make the change that we've already said can happen. We've got the research, like you said, we've got the peer-reviewed journals, we've got all this information in a cloud. <laughs> just up there, in just waiting to be used and, and it's not getting out. It's not being interpreted and, and it's not being shared. No, it's not. And, you know, I, I always have believed, and this is my personal belief, no matter how crazy it is, that we all have been born to a, a purpose. And you have those that um, create, right? And usually those that create are not good at the details of implementing that creation, right? Then you have the, um, the implementers. 
Those are the ones that talking to people can create and go, oh, yep, I got it. I can, I can, I can do that, right? And then you have the ones who translate. You know, you've got the translators because the rest of us don't know what you're talking about in implementation. So then you have the people who, who translate to those that are going to participate once the implementation is done, the followers, right? So if the followers don't understand what you're doing on the above line, it's never going to happen. So the translators have got to be in place to go, oh, let me tell you what they mean. <laughs> this is what they mean. Well, technically, we're the translators. The civic, the citizens campaign, the civic trust, we're the translators. We're the ones that take the information from up above, from academia, from the city administrations, from the laws, from whatever, and go, oh, let me tell you what that really means. <laughs> this is what this means. And then and then translate it so that the, so that the people go, Oh, so that's why I can't do this. That's why that's a barrier. That's why this doesn't work for me. Okay, well, this is what I would like to do. That translator goes, okay, let me translate it back up to them. <laughs> we translate it back up. And then guess what? The changes can now happen because you have each piece in place. You have the creator, you have the implementer, you have the people who get that, that, that sector that transmits, which is all us, and then the people who need the direct services to be better. All the pieces are in place. Some of us are born to be translators. We just are. Some of us are born to be creative. And the creative people will tell you, yeah, I created, but somebody else got to do it. I, I'm not detail-oriented like that. Yeah, right? yeah. I can speak on behalf who, of at least myself. Like, somebody, <laughs> I'll create it, but I'm going to need a lot of, a more than me to put it into place. Because, like, the ideas come. Yeah, yes. What happens after they come is exactly. they go. So. <laughs> Exactly. And, and implementers are, you know, those are the ones, you know, those are the ones that are so busy doing that they're not creating. They're just trans, they're like, oh, okay, so, okay, I got that. This is what we got to do in order to make that happen. Those are your detail people. This is the strategies we need to put in place to make that happen. Well, they're not necessarily going to be able to communicate with the people who need to engage whatever that service is, because it's a totally different language. We're just that. That's, 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 that's the role. In, in this lifetime, that's what I am. I don't know what I was before. I don't know what I'll be the next time. But whatever it is, I hope I don't need a cell phone because I'm really, really tired of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the, I, think, I think our conversation has definitely shaped maybe the closest thing. Because you, you can't pinpoint exactly what human services is down to one thing, like, a, like one single mission statement. But, you know, it's like we play a huge part in all avenues of service as translators of that service and where it's coming from and who can be provided to in what ways mm -hmm. um, that cross those cultural boundaries or those geographic boundaries or those uh, racial yeah. boundaries or those yeah. all of these and boundaries. Religious boundaries. And it's like, mm -hmm. right, exactly. It's like, it's the diaspora of knowledge depends on, you know, the people who are carrying it and knowing why, you know, and I think mm -hmm. that's super I don't care if anyone else in the world is not is unconscious of that, but if we're human services, like that should be like a the gate. That's the welcome mat should say that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, every day, you know, and, and this is funny, there are two things I do every morning. Okay. I, I get up and I say, please let me get to noon before I have to cut somebody out. Please. Because I somebody's gonna do something. And I'm going to have to fight. I, you, know, you know, you just, you know it. So please, can I just get past lunch? Can I just get to noon before I have to do that? And then the second question is, is 
why do I do this again? <laughs> like, 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 why do I do this every day? Right. And then you get that first phone call. You get that first person who needs assistance, that first person that needs help. And you kick right into that mode. Oh, yep, I can fix that. Yep, mm -hmm, not a problem. I can assist you. Let me let you know what your resources are. I can help you resolve it. And then you get off the phone and you go to work. And at the end of the day, no matter what you did, fix the toilet, <laughs> go shopping, <laughs> chase somebody down the street as they're trying to escape a nursing home. Um, no, <laughs> you know, no matter what your day entails, because see, there is no job description for human services. There just isn't one. People go, what do you do? Whatever I need to, to get to the end of the day. That's what it is. I said, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, unlike most jobs, I know. When I lay my head down on my pillow, that I have positively impacted someone's life outcomes. I have made someone better that day. And that, for all of us that are fixers, all of us that want to change the world, all of us that go into a service sector, that's what we want at the end of the day. I made the difference. You know, I think all of us um, have, you know, such gifts. And um, if we could all just enjoy, you know, the humor in, in life, because life, you know, comes with so much humor that if we can enjoy that, um, we can really see inside of people through the humor. And I, and I think that we... Um, we really should indulge, indulge, indulge in that a lot more. Sorry, I'm just like imagining your quotes in clouds as they drift across, like the montage of my mind. I don't, <laughs> that sounds a lot lamer when I say it out loud. If you had um, any advice or if you're having a conversation with a student who is seeing the world today as it is right now in this very this moral battleground where now we're having to step mm -hmm. back even further and see that our moral grounds are way off, maybe non-existent. Mm -hmm. What would you have to say to that child or students? Um, I spent a portion of my classes um, having the students get to know the um, reasons why they chose human service. Um, what is it in their being, in their fiber, in their soul, that motivates them or inspires them to want to make it better for others with, with necessarily and most times no thanks, you know, and to make sure that they are prepared for the reality of that. This is not all cherries, no seeds or peaches and no pits. It, it, it's not like that. So the reality of it is, is that you need to really be rooted in who you are and understand why this is what you want to do. And if you come to the conclusion that, listen, I'm good, throw a hammer at me, throw an ax at me, because that really might happen. Um, you know, a bed bug, mm, excuse me out, you know, um, but I'm good. I'm good because my desire to make better is greater than my fear of failing. You know, also understanding the different layers and elements and what's available inside of the sector makes a difference so that you can go into the sector and be as impactful as you can. To me, the most important, the most important advice I can, I can give you is to know who you are so that you can use your attributes for someone else to make them better. You are 
so brilliant. I hope you realize when you have people around you reminding you of like what you're doing is, um, I don't want to say the right thing, but I know it's your thing. And I know that's the right thing. Right. So we really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. I love it so much. Till next time we'll have this conversation again soon. Okay. Thank you, honey. You have a great, great weekend. You can find previous talks on our YouTube page. Just search NOHS organization and click subscribe. All of our social media handles can be found in the description box below. And of course, there is a ton more to learn and do on our website, nationalhumanservices.org.